0: Rethinking healthcare takes more than disruption. It takes more than thought leaders. It takes change makers and doers. That's who we'll be speaking to on the Healthcare Rethink podcast, giving you, our dedicated listeners, a rich body of insights to make your own change. This is the Healthcare Rethink podcast.
1: Yes, that is how you start a podcast. This is the Healthcare Rethink. I'm your host, Brian Urban. And today we are talking to those change makers. We're talking to those doers. We have Bobby Murphy, SVP of payer sales in the commercial segment and director of product marketing, Dakota Donovan. And man, if you don't know about Twill Health, you're going to get to know them in in ways that you haven't known them before. They were formerly known as Happify Health. And we're going to talk about the story of their change in brand. And we're going to talk more importantly about the story of the emerging role of online communities in digital health, and I and I think everyone's going to truly appreciate the value that comes through with how are we interconnected in our human condition, and how can you reach out for help, and then how can you get that help in an online community? So let's get into it. Bobby Dakota, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having us.
0: Yeah, Brian, excited to be here. Uh, the inaugural podcast. <laughs> Exactly. And now,
1: Bobby, uh, we have known each other for a little bit back in my Walgreens days, back in uh, your Healthify days. Uh, So we we know each other a good bit. And Dakota, we're getting to know each other a little bit more through this podcast here. Uh, So let's just start off with that. Uh, So, Bobby, uh, I know that you're a Brooklyn native now, but you didn't you didn't grow up there. You didn't go to school in the area. So tell us a little bit about uh where you've come from and and where you are now
0: yeah so uh i actually i was actually technically born in brooklyn um i did move two days later to connecticut but uh so i like to tell my my wife that i'm technically from brooklyn so i know the neighborhood more than her but it doesn't (laughs) uh it doesn't play over well but uh yeah that's that's right i grew up in connecticut um ended up going to school in mississippi and after I graduated, moved back to, to New York City. And originally, I actually thought when I was in school, I was gonna focus on uh, commercial real estate. That was sort of a, a passion I had come into during college. But truly, after I graduated, uh, really got excited at the idea of how technology plays a significant role in the healthcare experience. And um, at the time, you know, digital health was sort of an emerging space uh, in the technology sector. And that's been the ride I've been on for the ba- past 10 or so years. Uh, as you mentioned, coming from the, the social determinants of health space, um, you know, in 2016, social determinants of health was really just a buzzword, but today it's really table stakes for um, any healthcare organization and certainly anyone that's working with uh, vulnerable populations and I've had the opportunity to work at uh, Twill, formerly Happify Health, for the last year and a half, um, and in some ways, uh, trying to do some of the same goals: right, uh, address vulnerable populations, connect them to care, uh, and give them the tools to uh, succeed and thrive. So, yeah, excited, uh, excited at the work we're doing with Twill, and excited to talk about it today. Thank you, Bobby. So,
1: Dakota, let's get to know you a little bit more here because. I can carry on a conversation with Bobby for hours, especially as, <laughs> as it relates to digital healthcare. But uh, yeah. I, I, I love your background in particular. Uh, I got to know a little bit about you just on on paper, if you will. But uh, you're someone that has a lived experience in terms of reaching out for care and understanding how can you connect uh, your, your personal background to others to help each other in a, in a community forum. So I would love to hear a little bit about that for our listeners and and also, of course, where you're at right now and where you've come from.
2: Yeah, of course. Um, so I grew up in Massachusetts, a little town outside of Boston called uh, Marblehead. And I went to Bates College in Maine, and I got a, a BA in uh, psychology. And I really thought I was going to go into the clinical side of things, uh, get the PhD, do all of that got out of school, and I was like, well, I like my marketing. And um, I've always kind of worked for startups, uh, smaller companies. But as you probably read in my background, I was diagnosed with epilepsy when I was 23, almost 24. Um, And so when I started having seizures, I, you know, I was seeing really great doctors. Um, and I still felt like I just didn't have any answers as to what was happening to me. And I think, I mean, the nature of epilepsy, we just don't know that much about the brain anyways. But, um, you know, even though I love my doctors, I was like, I just, I don't, they, they don't know what I'm going through. I need to like find other people who have gone through this. Is this normal? I was a pretty healthy kid and college student. And so just having this kind of come up out of the blue was very jarring and, um you know, took a toll on my mental health as well as my physical health. And so I started looking through community sites, um, looked at my health teams, and then ended up kind of finding uh, patients like me, which is um, uh, ultimately where I started to work a few months later. So I found their site, joined their epilepsy community. I just thought it was so cool. I had no idea that these types of digital communities existed, um, especially, you know, and I'm part of, digital social communities like Facebook, et cetera, Instagram, but not in this way where you're really connecting with people who like, I could talk to someone who was 24, who lived near me and who had just had two grand mal seizures as well. Um, And that was, I mean, really just mind blowing to me and really opened my mind to like, okay, there are other people that are going through the same thing you are, and it's going to be okay. And, you know, this is a really hard time right now, but, like, there's other people out there. Um, And so that just really opened opened my mind into, like, okay, where do I want to go from here in my career? Like, I want to really lean into um, this community experience and and this digital health um, online community experience as well, because it's benefited me so much. Um, So I think I'm almost at two years um, for twill and uh, i had a former co-worker at patients like me reach out to me and say hey we're kind of doing something similar um, at uh then copa uh, and hapify um as we did at patients like me and i just was so excited i was like yes i can't wait to to jump in and start building another community space um just learning you know taking taking from what I learned um, at Patients Like Me in, in the marketing and, and product um, space and just helping build another strong community and an app and site. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me. Just very Thank passionate about, yeah, online communities and, and having people support each other in that way.
1: I really appreciate you sharing that Dakota because I, I don't think it's easy to share personal experiences that have shaped you uh, that, have, that have challenged you, that have taken you through struggles. So I really appreciate you sharing that, and it's, it actually speaks to who Twill is now overall. I think is it has a lot of passionate people that have experienced a lot of different challenges that are relative to the products. So that's mm-hmm. really cool. And, uh, and and Bobby, obviously your side and background with social determinants of health, it's it's such a, it's such a clear view of why Twill has the people they have and why you're doing what you're doing. So I just. I find that amazing and I, I truly admire that.
2: I feel like a lot of people at 12 know, I'm just talking about 12 as a company now, but um, are so tied to that mission and do have personal experiences with, um, with healthcare that they they kind of are passionate about and then wanna take that into to their career and their work in a daily basis. So you really just see that um, working at 12 day to day too.
1: I love that because you're tied to it. You're, you're yeah, tied to it. It's exactly. a part of you. It's not just a job or a task or a project or initiative. You're you're tied to it. It is a part of you, an extension of you. So mm-hmm. that, that is awesome. Uh, so probably a good place for us to talk a little bit more about who Twill is now, the services, just context for our listeners, services that you provide and the communities, how many communities you have and the different conditions, rare diseases, the different populations that you support overall. So uh, Bobby, I think you know we could probably look uh, look to you to understand a little bit about where Twill is going with some of the solutions that have culminated over the years here.
0: Yeah, yeah, happy to expand on that, Brian. So I think it's worth setting a table, kind of where we've been, uh, which may provide some clarity as to where we are today and where we're going. So Twill today um, was formerly known as Happify, and that's we only changed our name about ninety days ago. So almost all of our 10-year history has been under the brand of Happify. What's been happening behind the scenes for the last three years is this bigger shift uh, into becoming what we call ourselves today as an intelligent healing company. So when Happify started, its origins were as a point solution for mental health. And 10 years ago, that was a relatively novel idea and served us well for the last 10 years or so. But what we've seen is in some ways, and I, I use the word epidemic um, lightly because I, I, I know there's multiple epidemics happening in the world right now, but we've seen an epidemic of point solutions happening in the healthcare space. And part of this has been because of the COVID-19 pandemic, where all of a sudden everything moved virtual and now health healthcare partners needed uh, a product, digital product for smoking cessation or weight management or mental health. And that epidemic of point solutions really got us to thinking about how we should evolve as a company. So today we deliver sequences and sequences are made up of four distinct elements, Uh, digital therapeutics, care communities, which we're gonna talk about extensively, uh, digital first coaching and telebehavioral health. And then of course, third party integrations, meaning how does the Twill experience integrate into other products and services that the health plan or the employer uh, or the the pharmaceutical company has in place. And those four, what you might think about, those four ingredients, that combination, uh, we develop and tailor for our, our, our partners to make a bespoke sequence. We've also focused specifically on four therapeutic areas. So today, that's mental health, psoriasis. MS, and the pregnancy journey, and within each of those, we contextualize it for senior populations, for a commercial population, or a Medicaid population. We recognize there's a lot of nuances um, for a Medicaid population that might have a different reading level versus um, a senior population and what mental health means to them versus the commercial population. So we contextualize it across different uh, books of business.
1: I like how you mentioned that it's personalized to those different populations, and that's a that's a pretty big stretch. So, uh, when you think about uh, healthy pregnancies, healthy babies, MS, man, that's a, a lot of of different communities. So, when we think about digital health communities, I guess how would you define community? And this is for both of you because community is is, is definitely a kind of a stretched definition these days. So, how would you define that?
2: I would say at its very core. Uh you know, community is about connecting a group of people together and making them feel like they're part of something special. Um, It's a safe place. It's a supportive place. Uh, People should be comfortable expressing themselves in a community, asking questions, um, seeking answers, you know, through whatever highs or lows they're going through. Um, And I think as Bobby kind of touched on, like, we've seen such a need, like, humans are just innately social, creatures, and we've seen such a need in these past, you know, couple of years, um, with the COVID-19 pandemic, people are turning inward, they're turning into towards digital communities, and they're really wanting that support. Um, And so I think, you know, when you think about a definite definition of a community, you really want to cultivate a sense of belonging, mutual support, um, greater influence too. So, you know, wanting to make sure people really feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves, um, which honestly leads to higher self-worth and self, self-efficacy. And um, I think exploration too, just exposing people to new ideas and topics and helping them learn about themselves. And I think there's a definition of a community and there's a definition of an engaged community. I think building an engaged community um, is honestly less about... The mission and and the common interest, and it's more about the bond between members and um, this this sense of support and the sensual sense of mutual belonging um, together. And so, I think that's that's really what we try to cultivate at Twil, um and
0: within the twelve care communities. And and I would even add uh, another comment here in Dakota. To, to keep me honest. Yeah. You know, we take the idea of these communities very seriously, right? Because people are, are not coming to uh, these communities to figure out a new, you know, hobby or how to redo their their back porch, but they're looking for health advice. They're looking for support on uh, a healthcare journey that may feel very lonely and isolating. So to that end, we take the idea of of moderation and and managing the community so that it's safe, so that it's appropriate, um, and things like medical misinformation, which we could have probably a whole series of podcasts on um, and what that's looked like over the last couple of years. So it's not just the idea of getting people together and creating a community, but also in combination with a, a safe and clinically appropriate uh, community. So people are getting trusted advice and, and they, they know that they can actually rely on what they're learning inside of tool care. hundred percent.
1: Just going to ask on that, how it's monitored, how it's, it, how these different communities are curated over time, but you both hit on something, which was really interesting, the bonding and the interconnectedness. So how many bonds have you created? I guess, how many lives have you touched so far across all these communities, because it's probably difficult to count at this point. But uh, how many lives do you think have, have been touched so far in, a, in an engaged, positive way?
0: So part of this is our transition from Happify Health to Twill Care and Twill Therapeutics. So when you think about Happify as an organization and what was formerly the community aspect in that product, the the numbers is in the millions, right? And people have been engaging in those communities for Many many years. Today, in our distinct communities that the four that I mentioned—MS, mental health, psoriasis, and pregnancy—all um, of those have actually, in this new iteration under this Twill Care branding and this new structure, have launched within the last uh, eighteen months or so. Um, so, one of the exciting things is uh, communities like MS and psoriasis. These are. Um, even though they're they're prevalent conditions um, in the single millions of folks in the U.S. Uh, that have them, and even within those populations, we're seeing you know uh, upwards of seventy five thousand folks uh, in those communities and growing, and they've only been around for about a year. So we're we're very encouraged in those adoptions, and that's psoriasis and um, MS. Now, when you think about Mental health and pregnancy, many people get pregnant. Everyone interacts uh, with mental health in some way. We have expectations on the size of those communities to be in a scale uh, more akin to the millions um, just because they touch a larger uh, total addressable market.
2: Yeah. I think uh, so. We just launched our well being community um, and that got a thousand members within a week. Um, wow. so yeah, we're actually, I just got a, a slack this morning that we're up to 5, too and it's only been, it uh, hasn't even been a month yet. So, wow. um, that's fantastic. yeah, yeah, we're, we're really excited about that. But even looking at our inaugural community psoriasis, like we have over 65,000, uh, members there as well. And, and as Bobby said, that's only been, uh, about 18 months. So, um, there's a real need there
1: yeah there certainly is. It's amazing to hear that growth too and an early congratulations. that is so fantastic yeah. to hear that's growing in a really rich organic way. so that's mm-hmm. that's really, really awesome.
0: One of the myths that we're starting to you know address or debunk is this idea of Medicaid consumers don't engage in in digital health. And one of the stats that I can share with you um so I actually ran this report with Dakota for one of our health plan customers the other day. As part of our onboarding assessment, we ask, what is your insurance coverage? So that the individual is self-selecting if they have commercial or uh, Medicare Advantage or no insurance or Medicaid. And in our pregnancy community, which has been, the pregnancy community specifically has been launched for, I believe, about four months. In that community, which has grown relatively organic over that period of time, 50% of the community inside of pre- of the users inside of the pregnancy community have selected either Medicaid or insurance through the state or county, right? That's a yep. really compelling statistic because mm-hmm. if you look at historically what engagement rates have been for the Medicaid population, it's nowhere near uh, that population. That's a way bigger sample size than what mm-hmm. you know, the Medicaid distribution would be across the U.S. And it speaks to the the kind of the changing times we're in, right? A Medicaid consumer today versus a Medicaid consumer five, certainly 10 years ago, their ability to access the internet is significantly increased, particularly with some of the legislation that's happening on a federal level. Uh, Their ability to have access to a low-cost cell phone plan that has internet access or a smartphone Mm -hmm. is significantly higher than it was. So I think we're going to start to see significant, significantly more engagement from Medicaid consumers, and we're already seeing that this space that we've created for them is getting really high adoption.
1: That's a great stat that you shared, Bobby, because when you, when you think about populations that uh, are vulnerable in nature, that have lower income, lower socioeconomic status, there are a lot of myths. There are a lot of assumptions that, uh, that we think of uh, in terms of their access to care or their understanding of technology or use of technology, totally not true. Uh, things have changed so much. And even, even to current state, I think we have approximately 25 million people on Medicaid in the US today. That might change though in, in terms of eligibility, that's, that's, uh, that might be shared later this year from, from uh, federal guidance, but that's a great point. So you're really tracking to see the types of health insurances that people have access to or are currently on and their engagement with your solutions. I, I love that you shared that. Uh, I, I wasn't intending to get down that route, but now that we're on this path, <laughs> let's, let's talk about health plans a little bit. So uh, health plans and life sciences are, are your two uh, I believe big bodies of clients, but maybe let's start with health plans. So in, in terms of integrating your solution today, uh, how well has the adoption been with health plans, their, their populations, Using your services, getting to know it, and 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 it being so meaningful that they're organically, you know, uh, growing their their audience within a health plan. Let's let's talk about that.
0: Yeah. So before I talk about health plans, I also, I'll just clarify. So we work with uh, health plans. We work with uh, f- uh, pharmaceuticals. We also work with employers too. So that would be the third bucket. Um, I, I just wanted to clarify. So as it relates to, to health plans, the question was, what has the adoption been so far? And Yeah. So one of the interesting things about having a, a community product that's public and open to anyone. So for example, Anyone that's listening to this podcast could download TwillCare on their phone uh, and join one of the communities that I mentioned. Part of the the power of that public community and knowing where consumers live, what kind of insurance coverage they have, we can actually go back. certainly in the Medicaid space, we can go back and say, hey, we actually already have uh, this percentage of Medicaid lives in your state that are using our platform. But that is one piece of the healthcare experience. What we ultimately think that the opportunity is, is, you know, if it's a, a large managed care organization, we want to be able to connect them into the services that they offer, right? But the problem, there's sort of this disconnect. The health plan can't engage the consumer because they are, are having a hard time either identifying them or, you know, providing a solution that provide gives meaningful value. And then on the other side, the the consumer likely doesn't have access to the services that are offered by the health plan because they don't know about it because it's disconnected. So we think that's an amazing opportunity is using this community space uh, to bridge the gap and connect the consumer into the health plans uh, digital ecosystem. So that's all to say, uh, when we talk to health plans about this concept, you kind of see their, their eyes light up a little bit because we're taking the general population in our community and we're helping direct them to services for the health plan to provide better health and well-being.
2: And I would add to that, you know, not only directing them to their services, but because our platform is highly engaged and we have health tools, we have our own product, they're also more likely to come back. And while they're on the site, they're going to go to those health plan resources as well. You know, they're going to check in with their people, in their feed, et cetera, and then they're going to remember, oh yeah, I have this whole extra service section um, with my health plan that I can I can check out too. So um, just our retention rates and reengaging members uh, helps helps give them um, exposure to those those health plan resources as well that they they may not um, find otherwise.
1: So definitely an engagement driver, not just within your set of solutions, your community, but through the health plan as well, that the members of that health plan could get access to and learn more about. So I love that. It's more of a 360 approach rather than just a siloed product or a point solution. It definitely is. That's all I'm seeing these days is there's one little product for this issue, one little product for this issue, but this is more of a, a universal approach, community approach. So I, I did want to talk about something I heard you both say is the experience side of it. So I want to click down into the user, the personal experience side of this. So when we think about really health, it happens at home. It happens in the communities we live and work in. So thinking about the social drivers influencing someone's health journeys and outcomes, how is Twill now or in the future going to be addressing social determinants of health?
0: Yeah, so I think there's probably two ways that that we're thinking about our opportunity to uh, address or support addressing someone's social drivers of health. So the first, and and probably the most obvious, is the fact that we have the consumer's cell phone. We're we're on their phone, and we're a, we have a direct line of communication with them in combination with what Dakota has been speaking to, this idea of trust and engagement, right? Where they're finding value, they're finding care, they're finding services inside of Twill products and it's on their phone. So they they go back to that place uh, for, for references and, and services. So that's like the access piece. The second side of it is what's beneath the hood. So everything inside of... Uh, the the Twill experience is powered by uh, AI and machine learning. And we're, I say this, you know, respectfully, we didn't invent, we didn't, you know, invent the wheel here. We're basically replicating what every consumer has experienced in every other digital product, right? So if you think about, Brian, your Facebook feed or your TikTok feed, I mean, that's the whole thing with, with those platforms like TikTok is I'm in this TikTok or I'm in that TikTok. And it's what makes it so engaging is it's curated and unique to you. So we're taking some of those same principles of AI and machine learning, but we're applying it to the healthcare experience. So that's the essentially the chassis that we're building today. Now, your question, your original question was how does social determinants play into this? Well, I think the opportunity is as we're working with, let's say, a health plan that is looking to use our sequence approach to address maternal health. And they also wanna be able to understand social drivers and then connect that person to social services. Well, we're actually able to ingest data on social needs, whether it's food, transportation, housing, and we can feed that into our AI and machine learning and we call it the life graph variable. And what that does is gonna make the experience more unique. And if those services are available, we can actually direct them to a SDH referral network or a community-based partner in in the in their community, right? And that's we think that's probably one of the most powerful opportunities is the ability to uh, ingest data SDH data and then use that data to intelligently guide them to services um, based on the network and, and partners that we have.
2: Yeah, and not only services like content too. Um, we have an incredible team of, of editors that are putting out pieces of content, you know, every week. Um, many things, especially in our pregnancy community are around access to care, how you can get it, prenatal vitamins, you should be taking one of our top pieces in the pregnancy community right now is just what to expect at each stage of your pregnancy. And so using this AI experience, using this personalization engine and their life graph variables, we can intelligently deliver this, this content to them um, when they need it and when they're asking for it too. So that's been huge too.
1: The intelligent side of the technology is, I think, so overlooked because you're now making it very specific to the people that are in these communities, not flooding them with a bunch of options. And I think that's the old way of of everything we had done in, in healthcare before was flooding them with options and not really knowing the person if you're putting out 20 different options
0: 100%. you're really
1: not knowing the person it's, it's more like three or four options of the top needs of a person so i i love yeah. that that's driving a part of the experience as well and then connecting services into the into the needs of the people using the communities
2: you need to know the person even more so when they have a chronic condition for example our ms community there's progression of MS. Um, people who have uh, like a certain stage of MS do not want to know what, you know, primary progressive people are going through right now. That's scary. That, that can be very disheartening. Um, and so we've gotten a lot of feedback that like, if I see that content, I like, I'm not going to engage anymore. So you really need to make sure that you're exposing people to the right content at the right stage in their journey um, or else you're going to lose them. And, you know, they potentially are losing out on, on beneficial health outcomes as well. So super important.
1: Knowing the whole person, not yeah. just what's happening inside a doctor's office or urgent care, ambulatory settings, just the whole person and what they're experiencing. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love to hear you hear uh, hear you say that Dakota. So I think you probably knew where I was going with, with my questions on social determinants of health. How do you think Twill will approach health equity in the future? Do you see Twill as a health equity champion in leveraging these communities and the intuitive technologies we're talking about?
0: I feel like in health equity, so zooming back a little bit, right? Coming from the social determinants of health space, in 2016, that was a very new, it wasn't a new concept in the sense that social determinants didn't exist. It's existed you know since the, the beginning of time, right? But I would say in 2016 was right around the period where it was g- getting attention on the national scene. You started you go to healthcare conferences, there's a topic on it. That fast forward three to five years, it's now the number one or top three initiative of most healthcare stakeholders. But what what has happened in the last couple of years, Really, in, in my perspective, in the wake of uh, the murder of George Floyd in 2020, and sort of this whole national conversation about uh, racial reconciliation, at least in the U.S., I think we've seen in healthcare social determinants of health as a topic evolve under the health equity umbrella, right? Because we know uh, social determinants of health, people of uh, from you know marginalized communities or disenfranchised communities have typically uh bigger issues with social determinants but ultimately all of that plays into a larger systemic conversation about race in the u.s and and how that plays into the healthcare e.g this health equity conversation so i say humbly i think we're at the very beginning of the health equity dialogue in the u.s and because if you look at today's it's you know august 30th 2022 so even if the health equity movement began, um, at least in a large setting in 2020, we've really only been at it for about two years. And you can see ma- every major health plan, at least most, have hired a chief health equity officer. So you're starting to see these very positive signals. What I think is, is I, at least I have not seen at, at scale yet, is how health equity is turning into action from the the organization you know me and dakota actually had this conversation yesterday health equity can't be sort of an initiative a a q3 initiative or something we're focused in on health equity needs to play into every single part of the organization at the c-suite down to the you know individuals that are delivering on services and from a product perspective some of those things like a small example would be if we're building a maternity community for the Medicaid population, that community, we need to have the perspective of people on Medicaid from these communities that would be using this product. And that's, I think the beginning of how we think about health equity. Um, I know our executive leadership team has spent a lot of time thinking about what our health equity strategy is. And I could say that the short answer is we're being thoughtful.
1: the longer answer
0: is how that's actually going to play into our products and services. I think some of the low barriers would be things around access. Um, if you look at the healthcare system and who it's been designed for historically, um, it has not been historically, even for non native English speakers or in the pregnancy journey, same sex couples, right? the the thing that we think we have a an unfair opportunity is from an access perspective. And that's part of the promise of digital products is mm-hmm. reaching communities that traditionally have been hard to hard to reach. The I reach think the
1: other, Yeah. I, I love how you said that the reach really important because health equity in itself is maybe not necessarily a end goal, but it's a continual progression. To creating accessible and and, and fair uh, access to services, and it's really about just knowing the people that you're serving. So if, if you're across the healthcare ecosystem, if health equity isn't something that's number one for you, maybe you need to reevaluate. Uh, that's my perspective. I think you could probably share that as well. But uh, I, I did want to I did want to understand a little bit more about uh, Bobby your your perspective too in Dakota, uh, where health equity fits in in the product level going forward is is that still going to be top priority i know you're very early into these conversations of where you're going uh, with your journey and your solutions but is that going to be a top priority at the product level not just at the corporate mission
0: level yeah absolutely so health equity is going to transcend every single part and is transcending every single part of the twill organization from product from c-suite from how we position ourselves the I think the opportunity for us is in some ways we've been trying, we haven't been calling it health equity, but part of Hapify's original core mission was to uh, provide healing for the many, not for the few, right? And what that meant was providing a dynamic, unique experience for an individual to address them where they are at that point in the healthcare, I'm sorry, in the mental health uh, care journey. So today we've obviously expanded beyond mental health to these other therapeutic areas that I talked about, but that mission remains the same, is addressing the needs that you, Brian, as an individual have at that point in time, and how do we create a unique experience around you in the care you want, in the way you wanna receive it. And if you think about sort of some of the key ideas of health equity, I think there's some alignment. I think what is is yet to be determined is as health equity, and again, I, I haven't seen this. Um, so I would be, I, if any listeners have this, please uh, reach out to me. CMS has defined health equity, but I haven't seen it actually turned into a here's exactly how we're gonna address health equity here's what this looks like from a definition perspective an action plan perspective a results perspective I think organizations are starting to do that including our own um, but we're obviously looking at some of the the, the, the best in, in class partners to really think critically about how we're actually going to uh, you know define health equity uh, uh, measure health equity and then actually like you know, Determine if we're being successful in health equity initiatives. As you can tell it's, it's a complicated thing, and we're, we're trying to be really thoughtful about it.
2: Just speaking from a, a product perspective, obviously as a company, we're trying to define this and are going to continue to define how it how it looks within our organization. Um, but at a product level, you know, we we're definitely thinking about how we can eliminate tech bias. How you know, hiring a bunch of really diverse expert teams on our site. Um, making sure our moderators know and are trained in health equity, um, just smaller things like that right now. Um, but, and we're going to continue to build that out within the product um, moving forward too.
1: I love this. We could continue to talk about health equity as a journey and as a mission, as it comes within to go without in terms of a corporation uh, this is absolutely fantastic. Probably where I wanted to start our conversation off, but contextually, it made sense how we how we got into this space a little bit more. So we are coming up on time. So one last question for you both, and and then we'll do a nice wrap here. So Twill Health, uh, if I could hear from you both, the top three things that you feel you're going to be uh, winning or champion. Uh, or supporting uh, all the lives you serve in the next you know, three to five years growing out? What are the what are three big things you think you're really going to be making an impact on for on the lives you serve?
0: Well, and I'll, I'll set it, sort of speak selfishly from my perspective. So one, I think Twill Health is going to do amazing things in the Medicaid space, which you just, I, I don't, from my perspective, I don't see a lot of digital health companies investing heavily in Medicaid. Simply due to the complexity of the population, um, and I, I think that there's it's a, sort of a greenfield opportunity. First, I'd say that's one. The second would be depth within our existing therapeutic areas, right? Pregnancy, mental health, psoriasis, MS. Within all of those domains we have the opportunity in America to serve people in, you know, the hundreds of millions and then globally, certainly uh, the hundreds of millions uh, uh, of lives. So I think we're going to really try to invest in those four therapeutic areas and and go really deep to provide an even better experience. um, Even before we start thinking about adding on um, uh, more therapeutic areas. The last piece I would say is in areas like, Maternity, right? Uh, so we just launched in Snow Secret, we launched a, a large partnership with uh, Anthem, now Evalance Evel, Health, I always pronounce that wrong, uh, or Elevance Health, excuse me. And we're, we're launching a, a really big partnership with them. We're really excited, and it's focused on our maternity care. And We think with our our partnership with them, there's going to be amazing opportunities to look at things like measurements in domains like health equity and what the data is going to come to light. And we're going to see, okay, how are we serving this community that has historically been disenfranchised or unengaged uh, in the pregnancy journey? And how is that impacting things like complicated pregnancies or preterm births? I think we're going to see some really exciting data points in uh, specifically domains like pregnancy.
2: I would also say making an impact in the Medicaid space. Um, I think focusing on a whole person's health. I know we touched on that earlier in this conversation um, and honing personalization um, across products too. So we obviously, I work on tool care primarily but we have tool therapeutics. We have our um, Happify product as well and making sure someone can move kind of in a flywheel between those products. And get what they need, whether it's in our digital therapeutics um, programs, doing kind of like a, a more personalized six to eight week program, but then, you know, coming back into care and, and connecting with their care community um, based on, you know, the support they need. And so making sure we're moving a person through um, their care journey and across our products in a, in a very highly personalized way um, is, is kind of what I where I think we're going, and I know we're going, um, based off of our even our product roadmap for 2023.
1: Well, thank you both for taking me on a future trip into Twill Health. I really appreciate that. So, Twill Health, uh, I will say digital therapeutics and online communities—that is healthcare going forward. So that's my huge takeaway. I want to thank our guests, Bobby Murphy and Dakota Donovan. This has been the Healthcare Rethink Podcast. Thank you very much.